0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mel Fabregas from the Veritas Show at VeritasShow.com with an important update. On July 5th, Day 74, since the Gulf of Mexico oil disaster occurred, I sat down with Dr. Brooks Agnew in Trout Lake, Washington, to discuss the ecological, economic, and societal implications this event will have on the United States and the international community. Also present was geologist Benjamin Cavallari, who assisted in the production of this interview. A video of this interview will be available soon. In the interest of time, I decided to make this audio available as soon as possible. You may experience some audio distortion throughout the interview. Please remember that Veritas survives on your voluntary subscriptions only. So please go to VeritasShow.com and click on subscribe. This will continue allowing us to report what you won't hear in the mainstream media you have my permission to post this particular interview everywhere by linking to our website, VeritasShow.com. Dr. Brooks Acton was one of the most successful scientists with ground-probing radar technology in the nation for oil and gas exploration. Similar technology is currently utilized in the Mars Express program. He is the author of thousands of technical papers, seminars, documentaries, or books on precision measurement, an exploration into the mysteries of the universe and of the earth. He's the host of X squared radio. And now, let's go to our latest report. Hello, I'm Mel Fabregas from the Veritas show and I'm here once again. I have the privilege to be with Dr. Brooks Agnew. Welcome back to Veritas, uh, Thank Brooks. You very much. And behind the camera, also we have one of uh, I call him one of the Veritas Advisory Council members, Benjamin Cavallari, who's going to be joining us. Uh, he is a geologist, correct? Correct. And uh, I had to take a few minutes with uh, – may I call you Brooks? Sure. With Brooks because he's an expert in many things. And we t- we're talking about one of the most important and crucial pieces of news these days, and is the uh, BP oil spill. We call it the, the oil volcano. What is happening now, Brooks? Where do you see this going in the next few weeks?
1: Well, they're going to have to get a handle on actually plugging the, the geyser that's going on in the bottom of the ocean. Now, you've got to understand, this formation, this geology, is under a tremendous amount of pressure. At the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico, you're talking about fourteen to 1,500 atmospheres of pressure. Yet that oil is still freely flowing under enough enough gas drive to be considered a geyser flowing into the Gulf of Mexico unfettered. There is no way to stop it unless they can get some kind of pipe down in that casing to fill it with concrete or drill horizontally into the hole and pump concrete into the hole from underneath.
0: Why is this substance brownish, reddish as opposed to what we're used to the black tar.
1: Well, oil comes in a lot of different grades. There's light, sweet, crude, which is what we get uh, from some formations in the United States. It's what we import from Saudi Arabia. Other grades of oil are very high grade, very expensive oil in the sense that they're good for chemical production. They're high in aromatics, high in metals. That's what this oil is. It's very expensive, very high grade oil, and that's why it appears reddish on the
0: surface of the ocean. Would you say that what's coming out may have some effect to make the piping? For example, when you're painting a car or or a bicycle, you, you sandblast it, do you think this is happening to the pipes?
1: Uh, the casing that they put in there is pretty inert to oil. Oil is uh, not really oxidative when it comes to metal. Metal can last for a 100 years in the presence of this kind of oil. The issue is that there's no infrastructure down there to actually shut it off.
0: But as sediment is, I heard that some rocks are popping in, sand may be coming in. When that hits the piping, would that be causing erosion?
1: Yes, it can cause what's called etching and uh, once you get a thin place in the casing if you uh for instance shut off a valve at the top of the casing it can blow through the casing and come around
0: the outside of the casing. that was my put. i'm not an expert but i think that if this continues and there's etching and you try to cap it what could happen on a worst case scenario below
1: well it would probably breach the casing uh, the worst case is when you shut it off up above and the pressure is so high that it pushes the casing out of the hole. Now, usually, if they've done this well the right way, they have pushed that casing well down into the hole and they have cemented that casing into place so that can't happen. But uh, sometimes shortcuts are taken. Wells are not what we call long string, which is where they screw several joints of casing together and shove it into the hole. Uh, If they think that the rock is fairly good structure, they will just put a few joints of casing in the hole and use the rock itself as the casing for the hole. And now,
0: a few weeks ago... James Fox was on my show, and we discussed uh, the arrest, the harassment, and we have confirmed that BP is using Wackenhut, and they are the ones who are enforcing a lot of the rules from BP. If anybody comes close to any of the employees, it is Wackenhut who comes in and deters you or threatens you with arrest. How can a private contractor as Wackenhut enforce the law of police?
1: Well, it's it's a condition of paranoia that happens with government. Government doesn't want the liability of taking over this well. When officials look at the liability, and believe me, it's significant, they look around for experts that have the wherewithal, especially the monetary wherewithal, to handle the liability of this. The only player in the field right now is either bp or chevron and both of them are applying assets to try to solve this disaster
0: why do you think that so many countries who have come forward to provide help assistance uh we have turned them down why
1: well there are a couple of reasons uh on the one hand we have the coast guard who monitors the seaworthiness of any vessels that come into our waters, that is to say waters inside 200 miles off the coast. In many cases, those ships that have come into our waters are not, quote, seaworthy, not enough life vests, not enough fire extinguishers. And so those ships are held off 24, 48, sometimes 72 hours while that additional equipment is put on the ship where the Coast Guard will allow them to go to work.
0: Have we seen any other countries participating in the cleanup uh, uh, efforts right now?
1: I'm really unaware of the international effort. Uh, I'm sure there uh, is an international effort. There are certainly oil rigs all over the world, off the coast of England, off the coast of Nova Scotia. Uh, And I would think that some of these experts at containing this kind of spill are trying to come into the area and help.
0: A few uh, years ago, a similar situation happened in Russia. Not of course not uh on the ocean uh five thousand feet, but it had happened on uh on uh uh land, and they were able to contain the the uh the spill. Have we approached the russians to to get to to quote quote pick their brains?
1: I don't know if we have or not. I know Russia's one of the OPEC nations. They're one of the great oil producers. This is not uh, the greatest oil spill that we've ever had. We've had spills in Southern California, for instance, that were 100,000 barrels a day. That literally filled an entire valley with oil. People were rowing boats across it. They were uh, pumping oil into trucks, for months and months until the geyser finally quit. And then all that oil was pumped up and then uh, the soil was simply bulldozed over and now there's houses there today. That was probably the worst oil spill in U.S. history. That and and uh, uh, the original geyser that happened down in Texas that started the whole oil rush down there in the late 1800s. But this is the worst oil spill at sea. And it it has some special hazards to it because the opening to the well is a mile deep in the water. This makes it inaccessible to any kind of manned vehicle except maybe a special two-man sub. And there have been some suggestions, and this is quite frustrating to me, because the way to plug this well is to put a, a pump casing or pump pipe down into that hole several hundred feet and pump concrete into that hole. But to try to hit an eight to 10 inch pipe from a mile up above is like trying to drop a thread in through a needle from the top of a room. You need to have some kind of craft right at the opening of that well to grab that pipe and feed it into the hole. Now that would be a very leading edge solution that the oil companies have never tried. And it's pretty widely known that all of the techniques that the oil companies are using right now to stop the oil from coming out of that hole have failed repeatedly, many times, all over the world. They have never worked. What they have usually done is wait for the geyser to play out. In other words, the gas drive to come off of the well so that it finally stops blowing like a volcano. Or they have drilled in from the sides and pumped concrete in. That's only been successful in water up to 500 feet
0: deep, not 5,000 feet deep. What happens after, if this continues to spill? And I don't know how many barrels of oil may be under the 5,000 feet, but what is costing down there? If, is there a possibility that water may come in contact with the heated bottom, if you will, and cause a massive steam explosion.
1: There is a risk if the pressure comes off of this well, that gases that are currently in liquid form underneath there would reach a low enough pressure point to where they would flash to gas. If that happens, you could see a super volcano kind of explosion where this liquid doesn't flash off a little bit at a time. It flashes off suddenly
0: and cataclysmically. I hate to even fathom of how this scenario could pan out. But take us to that scenario. If this happens, how can we watch a movie in our mind's eye? Well, to, to
1: draw a comparison, many people are familiar with the latent supervolcano underneath Yellowstone. This is a very similar situation. You have a lot of gases that are under pressure. They're liquefied deep underneath Yellowstone. If that were to breach somehow and the pressure were to lower to the point to where that liquid could flash to gas, it would expand to at least a thousand times its volume. The supervolcano would be enough to spread ash all the way to the eastern side of Nebraska. Nebraska. So if this were to happen in the Gulf of Mexico, I would think we would probably lose the Gulf of Mexico as a, a viable ecology.
0: What about the populations of the area, the tsunami? How big can a wave uh, come towards the shores of Florida, for example?
1: If you had an explosion of that size, less than 50 miles off the coast, uh, you would have you know, less than 10 minutes warning. You would have a tsunami maybe 150 feet high. And about
0: 300 miles per hour?
1: It could be 300 miles an hour if the shock wave is is strong enough, but even 75 miles an hour would be devastating.
0: How far inland would a wave that size go?
1: Well, there are no natural barriers down there, so uh, a, a, a tidal wave of, of 75 to 100 feet high traveling at 100 miles an hour would probably go 20 miles inland. A uh, storm surge from a hurricane is only a few feet. And you saw what what Katrina did. Uh, we're talking about a, a sudden wall of water, not a storm surge. This would turn 20 miles of coastline
0: into a sandbar. And I hate to even start the conspiracy part of this, but it's no longer a conspiracy in my opinion. We look at the president. We look at... Uh, Goldman Sachs selling 44% of their BP shares. We see Wacovia, which is on what Wells Fargo sold 97% of their shares. Other private asset management companies sold ninety-some percent of their BP shares. The CEO, Tony Hayward, sold one-third of his shares and paid his mansion in Kent, England. How can all these companies do this unless they have some sort of knowledge of what was coming?
1: Well, that's a really good question, and the trail doesn't end there. You have Transocean that shortly before this disaster doubled the insurance on Deepwater Horizon, which is the rig that's had this problem. They made $270 million on this disaster just from the payoff of the insurance. You had BP purchasing Boots & Coots, which is a specialty company that only specializes in rig fires. They're the ones that put out 30% of the fires in Iraq when when uh, Gulf War, I. Gulf War I. Uh They also had a lot of experience in uh, ocean rig fires and in plugging ocean rig leaks. So this is not a highly profitable company, but it's a highly specialty uh, skilled for emergency services company. It's so strange that all of the events that you just described and the one that I added to it, took place within a three to four month period prior to this occurring. Now, this is a tremendous amount of money, about a half a billion dollars that changed hands prior to this disaster happening. What it leads the world to believe is it is a disaster, true enough,
0: but it was no accident. And some people say, don't make any comparisons to nine Don't say this was a false flag. But I'm seeing some of the commonalities, Brooks, between this event and 9-11. First of all, the word that was used back in 9-11, if you turn on the news, was incompetence, incompetence, incompetence. If you go to the TV now, that is the word that we're hearing now, incompetence, incompetence. We all remember the double insurance policies on the tower, which were to expire the day of the quote-unquote attacks. And now we see the same scenario here. If this was pre-planned, in your opinion, and I don't, I know you probably don't go to speculation, what is the purpose? That's a good question. If it was pre-planned, it would make sense that
1: you would see some kind of after event, some kind of key as to why it might have been planned. And lo and behold, we have two things that have recently occurred. Number one was... Uh, President Obama transferred $2.2 billion to Petrobras in Brazil to drill where? Deep water off the coast of Brazil. The second thing that we saw happen was the moratorium to suspend 33 exploratory wells that were taking place in the Gulf of Mexico and any additional drilling that was going on in the Gulf of Mexico. This suspended over $350 million a month In payroll for oil service workers in that area that's gone that income will never come back it'll be rebid and let to someone else if ever how about the platforms and all those mortgages well what we're talking about here is about 2.2 trillion dollars worth of surface assets and about 10 trillion dollars in oil assets beneath the floor of the Gulf of Mexico now it's commonly known across the world that the United States consumes about 20% of the world's oil supply, and yet currently we only have 2% of the oil's reserves. That's not necessarily true. It's not that we don't have the reserves in the ground. It's that we don't have the refining capacity to take care of the oil that we would produce. We have to buy either very high-grade crude or partially refined crude from overseas in order to supplement our oil needs here in this country. There has not been a new refinery built in over 25 years in the United States. All the refineries have been upgraded, they've been reinvested in, they've had new processes added to them, but nobody wants a refinery in their backyard. So it would seem that they would need some real estate very close to these rigs that could be used to build refineries on in order to increase the capacity of the United States and establish
0: very badly needed oil independence for this country. Brooks, I saw a map that somebody sent me where it shows a cluster of all, all the oil platforms in the Gulf, and they're almost one next to each other. This, um, uh, what was the name of what's the name of the oil platform, the... Deepwater Horizon. Deepwater Horizon is a single spot very, very far away from all the other ones. And I find it very coincidental that none of the other, there are thousands of them, okay? None of the other ones failed, but this one failed. Well, it is peculiar.
1: And normally what happens when a a new reserve is found by one rig is they will come in and they will do what's called checkerboarding. They will step off the minimum distance that's required by the EPA and they will drill another well and then another and another. And usually the investment profile changes in these wells. It's because the first well is a very high risk well. Normally that well goes bankrupt. The other wells are the ones that make money. But like I said, the ownership changes hands. What is happening here is if you listen to the public statements of Barack Obama is a hint at nationalizing the oil supply in the Gulf of Mexico. Now you have a real reason for a false flag event. Now you have a reason for the federal government to step in and say enough private industry ownership of this. It's time for the federal government to take over ownership of all of this and make it right that would be a $10 trillion asset grab
0: by the U.S. government. How about the imposition of a carbon tax?
1: The, uh, what's called a, a carbon tax or carbon credits or cap and trade. This is a new kind of currency where businesses that let excess CO2 or other pollutants into the air are heavily taxed. Those industries that don't, produce that, like, say, algae for biofuels or electric vehicles or some kind of alternative energy, wind generation, they generate carbon credits. And so these kinds of things are traded back and forth so that the credits can be used for these higher risk, uh, more alternative fuels to get their financing and get started, taxing the industries that generate those pollutants, like concrete companies and refineries and uh, gas-fired and coal-fired power plants. As they pay the bill, the the money earned from that, sort of like the lottery for schools, goes toward these alternative fuels. On the surface, it sounds like a wonderful idea, about a $20 billion a year plan right now. The problem is the handling charges in between.
0: And let's not forget, 1989, the Exxon Valdez uh, uh, spill. Also, most of the crews who participated in the cleanup are now they passed away; they died, and the life expectancy averaged 51. And this is two days of the BP oil spill at the Gulf of Mexico is the equivalent of the entire spill of the Exxon Valdez. What do you see for the crews who were fishermen? for generations, that's what they did. And now they have to transform the industry into something, something else. What are the health hazards that these people
1: are facing? Well, now you get into a really big subject because we're not just talking about the crude oil here. We're also talking about the chemicals that are being sprayed onto the water to do two things. Number one is to break up the oil and disperse it in the water. The other is to coagulate the oil and sink it to the bottom. Now, let's talk about the last one first. If you clump the oil together and make it heavier than water, it will sink to the bottom. It gets out of the news. It gets out of the way of people's eyes, you know, out of sight, out of mind. The trouble is it falls onto a large population of crustaceans, lobster, shrimp, killing the industry. Now, all of these organisms are mobile. And when toxins enter their environment, they're going to move. And when they move, they, will, they likely will not come back. They'll find new ecosystems where they're not fished out and where the water is clean, and they will survive there. So the crustacean and bottom fish market will just go away in the Gulf of Mexico. The other is the surface dispersants. These are things like chlorides, like one 1-trichlorothane, one, 1 trichloroethane, wonderful degreaser, also a very bad carcinogen. And when exposed to heat, it's aromatic, comes into the atmosphere and can blow right into
0: populated areas. And that's the difference, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's the difference between the Exxon Valdez. Uh, a lot of these chemicals were used up there, but the weather, it's colder up there, it's much warmer in the Gulf of Mexico. So this the heat is making this rise at a faster pace.
1: Sure, and you're also only talking about one tanker load of oil with the Exxon Valdez. We are talking about a tanker load a week in the Gulf of Mexico. And the problem with the Exxon Valdez is a lot of that oil, although it's been washed off of the rocks, if you go up there with a shovel and turn over some rocks, the bottoms of the rocks are still black with oil to this day. In, Me- in Florida, you're talking about heavy populations like Tampa Bay. All of that mess that's now heavily laden with aromatic chemicals sprayed into it, is heading for Tampa Bay. If it enters Tampa Bay, they will invoke Operation Garden
0: Plot. For the listeners, can you please explain what Operation Garden Plot is? Because I have mentioned that on the show a few times, and people don't believe
2: it.
1: Well, federal emergency management has a contingency plan for almost everything. And one of those contingency plans is called Operation Garden Plot. This is a massive coastal evacuation, should there be a chemical spill of some kind. Now, the oil itself is nasty enough. It gets into the aquifers, it gets into the swamps, where fresh water and seawater mix. It can get into the drinking water. But when you start lacing it with these additional chemicals, far more toxic than the crude itself... Now you're talking about poisoning the water supplies. You're talking about uh, at 80 or 90 degrees Fahrenheit, these chemicals rise, they don't go up into the air, they hug the ground and they flow in in high concentrations into homes and schools and hospitals and children develop respiratory problems, the elderly are affected and it's deadly
0: and you're going to start seeing these effects very soon. Have there been any reports of hospitals and the preponderance of uh, re- respiratory uh, problems uh, that are not being reported? I don't know. That That's not a
1: question to ask me. I don't watch the news. I'm just telling you what would happen if those chemicals reach the beach, and it's a nice sunny day with a light breeze. Those chemicals will go ashore in sufficient concentration to cause real problems.
0: Corrected alone. I've heard that if humans come in contact. And, and my second interview with James Fox was dealing with this same scenario. They were spraying this very close to people's homes in Alabama. And I've heard that correct if women who are pregnant come in contact with it, almost guaranteed that their, their babies will come out with birth defects uh, and, and problems in a long-term basis as well. Yes, uh, the chemicals
1: that they use go right for the mucous membranes, around the eyes, the lungs, the nose, uh, the intestines, and uh, they are all mutagens, car- carcinogens, but they're mutagens. And any you have a rapidly gl- growing uh, uh, organism, such as a fetus, this is where the mutagens show
0: up the worst. In the next few weeks, uh, you have some questions. Benjamin, Want to be part of the conversation? Go ahead.
2: Oh, boy. Um, you know, it'd, it'd be interesting to watch the movements of uh, the people that are in the region. Um, interesting to watch the movements of any any state or federal um, forces that would assist in an evacuation plan to see them building up. Do you have any um, knowledge of any buildup of any... Uh, build up of any Well, the National Guard stand at the ready all the time. Operation Garden
1: Plot is one that's rehearsed almost every summer when the National Guard does their operations. Now, the way the National Guard set up in the United States before they started activating and going to war in foreign countries is the National Guard from Texas would serve in Arkansas. In Kentucky, they would serve in Texas. They do this for a couple of reasons, but the main reason is that if... A police action were necessary those soldiers and believe me they would be acting as soldiers extensions of the police would not be arresting their own neighbors they would be able to further dehumanize those individuals that they're either migrating in mass out of an area or suppressing movement in an area when you say they wouldn't arrest uh, their
0: fellow neighbors what do you mean
1: Well, if you were to call up the National Guard in Kentucky to take care of anything other than a tornado, some kind of natural disaster, let's say you were uh, stopping riots in Louisville or something like that, you wouldn't use Kentucky National Guard. If the governor of Kentucky called up the National Guard, it would be the National Guard that normally exercises in that state, and they come from another state. That way they would not be arresting their own cousins and brothers and things like that. That's the way the system is set up.
0: To avoid uh, some kind of conflict of interest, if you will.
1: Well, you would have soldiers laying down their arms saying, I'm not arresting my own dad. you know. But uh, somebody in another state, the police orders them to do something, they have to follow orders, and they do it because they don't know those
0: people. What states are possible victims if this continues to spread. And then I'm more concerned about the chemicals that are coming up in the air. Also, hurricane season. I've heard today that the water temperature has gone up not only a couple of degrees, but seven, eight degrees You know, between this and what is normal, which causes a hurricane to be stationary more so than if the waters were colder. That's true, and we
1: have predicted, and we know this because in the southern oceans are are the seeds of the hurricanes that we normally see in these uh, northern oceans above the equator. Somewhere between 14 and 15 major storms are predicted to come up this year, similar to what we had in 2005. One major storm has already come into the Gulf. Cleanup operations will become impossible if we're talking 10 or 12 foot swells in that water. Normally, this area of the Gulf of Mexico is rather docile and smooth in the summertime. But if you get high winds and a a lot of uh, uh, oceanic activity, it's impossible to contain a spill. So you're talking about Louisiana, Alabama, the southern coast of Georgia, the uh, western coast of Florida. And even
0: if the current begins to turn correctly, even the Keys... And if this uh, the, the current pattern continues, it could theoretically go up Florida all the way to Europe, am I correct? It could,
1: absolutely. It'll go right around the bottom of the Keys, it'll go right into the southern Atlantic,
0: and once it does that, it's in the Gulf Stream, off to Europe it goes. If, and I can't even think of massive evacuations, but it seems to be the case, if the chemicals continue to be in the water, in the air, rain, can rain also? Uh, Can these chemicals just form in clouds and just go uh, inside the territory of the United States? Uh, No. The chemicals are
1: fairly heavy. They hug down close to the ground. This is one of the big problems with these chemicals. Normally, where these chemicals are used or stored on land, they require a berm like 8 to 10 feet built around it so that if they do have a spill, it stays contained behind that dike of of uh, dirt so it doesn't flow out to say to schools and to the rest of the city. In that case, it it can be cleaned up, it can be contained. But on shore, with an offshore breeze, there's no way to contain it. Those chemicals will come ashore. If this continues
0: then, and people's lives, if this becomes so hazardous that the government has to consider relocations, we're talking about millions of people here.
1: You're talking tens of millions of people. Now, the only way that it could become that disastrous is if that hole gets away from them. If they make an attempt to close in that hole using, let's say, explosives, which sometimes can be used on land-based wells, they'll send a charge deep into the hole, set it off in hopes of caving it in. If that's tried in this kind of area, under that kind of pressure... Uh, and you blow that open to where now you have a three or four acre hole in the ground,
0: you would lose the whole ecology of the Gulf of Mexico. According to BP, they have, uh, they're have they working on two relief uh, wells. Have you been following the process of uh, the progress of these two wells?
1: Well, unfortunately, it's very difficult to follow. You're going to get the public statements. But recently, I understand that there have been uh reporting blackouts that have been invoked in this area in fact i understand that first amendment rights have not only been suspended but a forty thousand dollar fine and jail terms have been affixed to anyone who approaches cleanup personnel for any kind of interview
0: and i thought i received that notification of of these news at uh, this morning and I thought it was a hoax. This is not a hoax. This is on CNN. And what can possibly trigger such a constitutional violation?
1: Well, the only thing that I could think of is that there are, um, there's great exposure in this. And, uh, when a company is trying to clean up its own mess, they may try methods that the public would be shocked at. And, um, the risk of this would be a little bit like uh, playing with nuclear weapons. You don't want reporters present when you're trying to experiment with these kinds of things. So you want to clean up the mess and, uh, and get it plugged. And after the fact, uh, put out some commercials and some public service announcements. You don't want the press reporting on how truly bad the situation really is. I'm going to
0: use the R word, radioactive material. I heard that there may be radioactive material pouring in. Is that something you've looked into? Uh,
1: Unfortunately or fortunately for our country, we have high reserves of of, uh, uranium uh, in this area, in Arkansas, Texas, and going on out into the sea. The whole planet has a good source of uranium, very deep. It it is quite possible that radioactive material is beginning to make its way to the surface when you're letting that much pressure off over that period of time uh, those heavy metals that would normally settle to the bottom and never make their way to the surface because the oil's being extracted very slowly very measuredly very under control it would never be a problem If those kinds of things started showing up in the mud logging rooms where this mud that's used to clear the chips from any hole or to keep the gas suppressed, that mud is constantly cycled in and out of that hole. If those kinds of materials show up in a mud log, they will shut the well down. If it shows up in this kind of
0: hole, there's nothing anyone can do about it if this and i've heard some projections that say that maybe even 19 months before this can be capped what are the projections you are hearing and if this indeed cannot be capped in 19 months what i can i don't even have words to even describe what i see happening if it just stays a hole and
1: it stays open for 19 months and they plug it we're talking 25 to 30 years before the ecological effects come back into what we consider normal ranges of of poison. If it becomes anything other than that, if these two relief wells turn into a situation where they let off too much pressure, and th- that liquid decides to go gaseous and blows open, now you're not talking about a single hole. You're talking about a major cataclysmic disaster. It probably would never be cleaned up. The Gulf of Mexico would be lost as an ecology.
2: Bruce, the interconnectedness of this disaster is, is cannot be understood. It really can't. Um, but <clears throat> what I was wondering is, you know, with, with the, the economies of, frankly, the, the entire country, but immediately the, the Gulf states, you know, Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, and Florida, just just immediate area, um, being so heavily affected, and then, and then, of course, you, know, you have the seafood industry that is, that is quickly, if rapidly, dying if it's not dead already. Um, the fishing industry, obviously, the, the ecotourism, the tourism of the beaches. You discussed the Gulf of um, Tampa Bay, excuse me. If the, if the economies of these southern states and then, and then of course, the land value prices uh, decrease rapidly, could we be looking at these five states asking for a federal bailout on a United States economy? that is already at its final straw. I mean, <clears throat> we, we've we heard um, notions of California asking for a bailout, and that's very, very significant. But these five large states, with all these different types of industries and economies asking for a bailout, could this be the straw that would potentially break the United States?
1: Echo. Well, that's, that's a really good question. You know, this is not uh, so dissimilar to the EU having problems with... Uh, For instance, Greece, uh, their economy going down, and then Germany is just barely teetering. The IMF had to step in literally overnight, over the weekend, because the bond traders were uh, predatory in moving in trying to buy these at a great discount because they anticipated interest rates going up. These five states, at a very critical time in economy of the United States, having extremely high unemployment, many people totally exhausting their unemployment benefits, the automotive industry uh, suffering forty forty-five percent drop in revenue. Uh, I I would think it could very well be the economic straw that takes the United States out of being a world leader as an economy and maybe a second or even third level nation. Uh, The American debt is held primarily by China, Japan, and uh, Europe. Uh, That debt may become downgraded, which means that the debt would begin to be sold off by those countries to try to recoup or stop the losses on their money that would be enough to take the United States apart
0: as an economic... uh, In other words, it would
1: bankrupt the United
0: States. Which means that the dollar as the standard form of currency will no longer be. You would probably have to move in with a new form of money, a new form of
1: currency. Um, It's quite possible that um,
0: even a cooperative form of government would have to be put into place. So almost uh, everybody talks about the American Union or the uh, new world, the new currency that Russia has presented that year or two ago. Do you think that this could be a catalyst for that? It very well could be. Now,
1: it would seem unthinkable to kill an ocean in order to make this kind of economic coup, as it were, over the United States. Are there forces and organizations on this planet that would kill an ocean in order to take control of 300 million people in the United States? I don't know.
0: A very important question, and before I ask this question, I believe the numbers I got, 50% of our seafood consumption comes from the Gulf of Mexico. However, Benjamin, I believe you, you obtain other information that the amount is higher
2: I believe uh, about 10% of the, um, if not the world's seafood, the United States' seafood consumption is, is from the Gulf of Mexico, but the, the, the number is, is extremely large, I do know that.
0: I heard it was 50%. Mm-hmm. But, ec- ecosystem, algae, the ramifications of the algae? Well, algae is the source of oxygen
1: right. for the Earth. Now, many people think it's the rainforest. Not true. It isn't mature trees that generate oxygen for planet Earth. It's algae in the ocean that makes the oxygen that makes it possible to live on this planet. If the algae is killed off in significant numbers, a third or a quarter even of the algae in the oceans, we would see a drop in
0: oxygen content in our atmosphere. If the Gulf of Mexico dies, ecosystem-wise, and relocations. Uh, the, the, the numbers I'm getting are 40-50 million people being relocated. Right now our economy is on life support. If this happens, I, don't, I cannot even fathom our economy continuing to survive when you have 40-50 million people. Transportation, banking, every industry that we know will cease to exist in that region of the United States. Sure, Mun- municipal utilities
1: grow as their populations grow and usually it's just a little bit ahead of the population growth. And we're talking about sewage, we're talking about water treatment, we're talking about simple things like trash pickup, provision of electricity, uh, things like power lines and street lights and things like
2: that. All the farming, the agriculture, the the daily lives, uh, every all sorts of livelihoods will be affected by this?
1: Well, fortunately, in the United States, we thought ahead with CRP. We have lots of fallow farmland that we could convert to agriculture uh, to feed a migration of people like this. They would obviously have to switch from seafood to farm food, but it could be done. The problem is moving 40 to 50 million people into cities whose infrastructure is not set up to handle that. It's going to change the way we do business. It's not gonna be a simple matter of these people moving in and renting vacant apartments. There won't be any vacant apartments. You're talking about tent cities, trailer cities. It will take years to accommodate this many people. And it will take funds that these states don't have and certainly our federal government doesn't have. 90%, 80 to 90% of any industrialized nation lives within 20 miles of a coast. You're talking about evacuating about 1,500
0: miles of coastline. That's a significant drop. This almost sounds as as a new Weimar Republic, but multiplying by, by, a, by a high number.
1: Well, I, I, I don't even know how to think about the scenarios of taking a nation down in this manner. When I look at this disaster, and I consider that it's not an accident, that it's planned, I, I also notice that the contingency plan, the response plan to it, probably got away from them. There were blow-off preventers, for instance, on this well that could have stemmed this spill. BP testified before Congress that their blow-off preventers had been tampered with without their knowledge. I find this impossible to believe.
0: Of course, cost containment, and I believe that uh, a lot of what has happened can happen again because they're not prepared to put the investment into place for preventive purposes in other wells. Are they looking at other wells that are operational at this very moment? Sure they are. Uh, Transocean, which is the company
1: that owns Deepwater Horizon. A Swiss company. Yes. um, They have had, I believe, almost 70 similar accidents on other rigs, killing over 100 well workers. So they have a long history of safety violations, accidents, fires, explosions
0: on their rigs. Let's take it a step further. Do you remember the report from Iron Mountain? The report uh, from Iron Mountain presented by Secretary McNamara to Kennedy in the early 60s, you remember that?
1: That's been a long time ago. I mean, my mind might not be as fresh on that. Re- remind me
0: what went on. President Kennedy asked, he wanted to end the Cold War, and he wanted, to, he wanted to know what repercussions ending the war would have. And the report was given to him indicating that in order to keep the economy of the, of the United States growing the way it was, we always needed to create a threat. So, the Cold War, and once the Cold War was over, then terrorism. That's where we are, the boogeyman, Osama bin Laden. After terrorism was over, a natural disaster. you think we may be entering into this new phase? That makes sense to me. You know, uh, I'm former Air Force
1: myself, and when I was in just at the end of the Vietnam War, and I have to tell you, we have built a force uh, made up of at least four disciplines, maybe five or six disciplines, uh, or areas of the armed forces. The finest fighting people and systems that have ever been built in the history of the world. We know how to break things and kill people. But when uniformed armies became a relic, facing off one against the other, battle plans and fronts, When that disappeared and we started fighting ghosts, that would hold water for a while, especially after blowing up the Twin Towers. But the American people are losing their resolve for fighting street by street or car bomb by car bomb. They need a point of focus. And right now, it's a battle to save the ecology. That is a $10 trillion battle that we're fighting right now. I can't think of anything certainly no uniformed army on the shores of the united states that would be as as frightening and as debilitating as what we
0: face right now Mm -hmm. to those folks who are listening from louisiana alabama mississippi florida and they're very concerned some people are uh, are already moving is this fear-mongering or is this becoming a reality Well, that's a good question. You know, there are a lot of
1: conspiracy theorists out there that are clanging the bell, and um, it's, it's difficult to get behind that. And one could make the argument that that too is designed to desensitize us, to numb us so that we don't respond, so that we think that things aren't really as bad as what they seem on the news. But when we see leadership of our country taking two weeks, five weeks, two months, three months to really mount an official response. Now you can elect a head of a new department, you can throw money at it, but until we really see some progress, some big equipment going in, some innovative ideas really being employed to that, instead of news blackouts and continued trust in the people who are responsible for this accident, cleaning it up, we're not going to see that fear go away. We as a people, I believe, uh, still have that fear. And so we we wonder, is it fear-mongering or is it real? Right now, I think all channels are, it's real. And people are afraid.
2: Something to be said about that, Mel, is that if you don't want to get into any conspiratorial sort of subjects, and yet you still want to focus on the magnitude of this or what might be coming down the pipe, you could just look at the systems science behind it, what, what our knowledge of how interconnected um, the disaster is, the, the waterways, the oceans to the, to the land, and just look at the magnitude of the, the disaster. You mentioned a, a few moments ago that it is clear that it, this well will not at least be uh, close to being contained And for 19 months. We have seen the magnitude of this event over three months. Over 19 months this well will have spread internationally. Um, it, will, it will have affected or will potentially affect the groundwater, the, the chemicals, the, all these things will be affecting multiple areas. And all you have to do is just look at the system science behind it and how interconnected everything is to, to realize how major this is. And um, you can even choose to, if you wish, stay away from the conspiratorial elements and just to be a little bit more prepared for what's coming down the pipe. This is not something, it's not a scale that you see uh, mainstream media discussing what's going to happen in five months, eight months, 12 months. And we're not, we don't look at those sort of time scales. The mainstream media oftentimes focuses on right here, right now, the immediacy of plugging the well which is very important to, you know, stop the bleeding of this problem. However, because we know that the well will not be contained for at least another 19 months, to think ahead of the magnitude of, and, and the, how far-reaching the effects of this is going to be is not conspiratorial. It's instead just forecasting, in a way. Instead of just looking at the, what the problem is right on your shore right now, think of the international disputes that will come when, when this American problem reaches Europe. When it destroys the economies of the Caribbean potentially when it when it goes up the eastern coast of the United States and affects eight nine ten more states and all the people in the ecology and the, and the world's oceans you know so again you can you can choose to if you wish stay stay away from these subjects that reach off into what- ifs in regards to politics economics um, new, um, political systems or so forth but just look at the natural systems alone if you want to you know try to understand how great this is and how everybody is going to be affected by this how the fact that everything is connected to everything and we cannot avoid you know all the majority of the people of the world being affected by this this is not just an american problem it right now currently is in american waters if you will but it's not just an american problem
1: Well, the the scope of the problem is not where the conspiracies get their fuel. Conspiracies get their fuel when the press is restricted from reporting on the problem. If the press were given unfettered access to everything, to the full scope of this disaster, sure enough, in a few weeks, the public's interest in this disaster would die down, and we would be back to weekly reports or monthly reports on it. But as long as you restrict the press, the conspiracy theories are gonna fly. Why not tell the world how bad it really is? Maybe then, multinational support will come, and the problem will get solved in less than
0: 19 months. And that is an issue that I have. During Gulf War II, we have the embedded reporters who were in Humvees. In the middle of the the, uh, in, the enemy uh, bombs, uh, roadside bombs, uh, uh, crossfire, etc. And here we have reporters that want to go in, and the excuse is, well, no, because it's it's unhealthy. Provide them with some gas masks, provide them with some protection, but allow them to show the American public and the international the the international community see what the repercussions of this may be. What are they really trying to fight? It makes you also wonder if what BP is showing us on TV and those uh, CCTV cameras showing the spill, do you think that that is really the spill? And I hate to put you in this position.
1: Well that's a good question Are we just seeing a tape loop. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that the leaders that are responsible for this are wringing their hands right now wondering when that well is gonna slow down. Hopefully it won't be spewing at the end of 19 months the way it's spewing. Now, most wells, once the gas begins to die down, the drive begins to die down, the, the actual gusher tails off. It slows down, you go in and, with equipment and you, and you fix it. But uh, according to what I've seen on the loop that's on the web, it's not slowing down if it continues at the rate that it is right now for 19 months it will be a disaster of unprecedented uh, scope. We'll have to develop equipment to lick up the oil off the ocean and refine it that way. What does that say about peak oil if this continues for 19 months? Well that's uh, maybe what they want to keep secret is the fact that we have enough reserves under the Gulf of Mexico to say bye bye Saudi Arabia that
0: would really be destabilizing for the world's uh, level of peace. And to end, I think of this situation as a uh, human being who has a disease, goes to the doctor, one doctor cannot find the, 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 the cure or the problem, goes to another doctor, goes to an. I'm sorry, you go to one doctor and they continue to misdiagnose you again, again, and again. What do you do you change doctors you go to somebody else you get a second opinion in this case we've been on this what 70 some days and the government is not moving in and saying step aside let's bring other experts to give us a new
1: opinion well that goes back to what we talked about in the very beginning that this whole thing has been a false flag event so that the federal government can move in and nationalize these wells and just take over the entire asset it's not as if the federal government couldn't use another $10 trillion worth of government-owned assets. Canada owns all of its oil supply. Mexico owns all of its oil supply. We're the only nation that is at the mercy of private oil.
2: Uh, there has been some speculation recently uh, that the, the rate of discharge of oil coming from the oil volcano in the Gulf of Mexico could potentially affect... The New Madrid Fault Line, which is relatively far away, and the uh, you know running through Missouri. However, it was a large, vo- uh, large earthquake zone that rang the bells in eighteen twenty nine. eighteen twenty nine Rang the bells in New England, so you can see the effect of um, this particular fault system. Although it's not as well known as, say, the San Andreas or the or the um, the North Anatolian Fault System, which runs through Istanbul and up into northern Greece. Um, and so my, my question to you is, do you know anything about the interconnectedness of oil well, uh, removing oil from the the ground, all the subsurface layers, and any sort of tectonic activity that could potentially be triggered by oil being discharged at that type of rate and or maybe oil or water lubricating a fault system like this?
1: I, I have heard that theory, but we have to understand that most earthquakes occur Uh, between 40 and 75 kilometers deep. The deepest hole that's ever been drilled on the earth is around 40,000 feet deep, so we're talking barely eight miles. There is a theory, it hasn't been proven yet, but there's a theory that oil comes from very deep in the earth, say 20, 30, 40 kilometers deep. And it comes up through fissures in the ground, through volcanic passageways, up into these areas that we have been able to drill into and evacuate the oil. So if that's the case, oil is being drained from one formation into another, into another, and that's what's coming up. The thing that, that we normally see when, when we have a formation like uh, the gulf, uh, where a deepwater horizon is poked into, is that this is usually a large volcanic bubble in the ground. Uh, For uh, oil to be coming out of a hole like that for this amount of time with that kind of gas drive, we're not talking about a fractured system. We're talking about a pooled system. And there's every intention, I'm sure, of checkerboarding this formation as the Deepwater Horizon is the only well that's actually into this formation. All the other... Uh, rigs are into much lesser producing formations uh, draining oil off a of formation as far as I know has never caused an earthquake mm-hmm. but um, it's it, it's quite possible that if this abiotic oil is as deep as they say it may be relieving that at a rate more more rapidly than it can be replenished thus changing the pressure of these plates underneath and the New Madrid Fault, uh, beginning in the Gulf of Mexico and going all the way up into New England, is uh, predicted to be the next major uh, quake center in the United States.
0: Benjamin, do you have any other, any other questions?
2: No, I just appreciate your, uh, your opinion on this, uh, Doctor, as a geologist, and uh, obviously somebody who studies multiple subjects, and I uh, really appreciate your time.
0: Dr. Brooks-Agnew, any closing remarks to, once again, those people who are listening who are wondering what the next step should be for them and their families?
1: Well, I would uh, definitely prepare if you live on that coast. I would be getting my hands on a 72-hour kit and uh, make sure that your car is filled up with gas because if they do ask you to evac- evacuate, 40 or 50 million people on the highway at the same time will be a disaster. If you are able to and are unemployed or something, you can leave your home behind, lock it up, grab your supplies, and head north. Now. I would do that now so you could get out of there with it. You could maybe make four or five trips now. When they order you to evacuate, you'll be lucky to get one trip. If these people are evacuated, where are they heading? Well, they've got to have relatives somewhere inland, Nebraska or Ohio or Kentucky or Tennessee or North Carolina. There are a lot of places uh, north of there
0: that are away from the coast and would be safe during this. Dr. Brooks Agnew, once again thank you very much for being part of the show and as you know we usually cover different topics but this is a very important topic that not only affects us here in the United States but affects not even theoretically, potentially will have uh, uh, dire effects to the whole planet. And we hope to continue reporting with people like Dr. Brooks-Acnew and uh, just putting this information out to the world. Thanks for listening and for watching if you're watching us on video, and we'll talk to you again. Be well. This is Mel Fabregas, signing off. Good night. And that was Dr. Brooks-Acnew. A few weeks ago, James Fox reported of arrests and the quality of the air around the Louisiana area. Many people were skeptical at the time, but anymore. I personally thought any information about potential relocations was perhaps somewhat exaggerated. That is not the case anymore either. I just heard from James Fox regarding some water and oil samples sent to a laboratory, and the results are worrisome. Stay tuned for that important interview in the next few days. Again, I want to thank Dr. Brooks Acnew and Benjamin Cavallari for his assistance in the production of this latest report. The Veritas Show survives with your voluntary subscriptions only. There is no censorship and no commercial sponsors. I hope you can help us continue broadcasting by subscribing. Visit our website, veritasshow.com, and click on subscribe. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Mel Fabregas. Be well.